You slept in. Hey, we're not judging. Sometimes you just need to get a little more sleep. And if you do need to snooze, we'd much rather you did that at home in your warm, comfortable bed than in our pews. You can always catch up with the sermon later, right here on this Sunday Morning Sleep In podcast. You'll miss out on some things we think are pretty cool, like intergenerational community and the sport and encouragement that that brings. And perhaps you'll miss out on something cute at children's time, and you'll definitely miss out on the cake after church at coffee hour. But we'll give you what we can. I'm Chris Marshall. And I'm Susan Foster. And we are United Methodist Pastors in Reno, Nevada. We're not theological experts or homiletical harbingers of a brand new age. We're your average pastors helping our congregations think through life's big questions every week. We started this podcast so if you're away from home or working or perhaps on vacation, maybe just sleeping in, you can keep up with some of the ideas floating around the church. Each episode is a conversational version of a sermon one of us gave on Sunday. So whatever day it is when you're listening to this, uh, receive it with an open mind and an open heart. Quick side note, we really don't care whether you agree with everything we say or not. In fact, we, are, we encourage you to question, to disagree, and to figure out what you think. But our sincere hope is that you will experience the mysterious loving force in the world we know as God moving in your life as you consider this. So Susan. So Chris. So this week is yet more parables. Yay! Parables Woo! out the wazoo. Thank you, Jesus. At least we um, they they could the the writers of the lectionary could have extended these, and we could have had another Sunday on every one of them. We could have, or they you know they could have included the Gospel of Thomas, which is all parable and wisdom saying and yeah nonsense. But uh, <sighs> but here we are still in Matthew chapter thirteen, uh, talking about parables. But what begins to happen is Jesus has told a couple of longer parables: the parable of the sower, the parable of the wheat and the tares, and all of a sudden we get into these like like just super sharp snapshots. Yes. So snapshot, snapshot, snapshot. Um, each parable at this point is one or two sentences mm-hmm, and then mm-hmm. he moves on. So yeah, uh, the kingdom of God is like, like a mustard seed, which is the tiniest of all seeds. And yet when it grows up, it grows into the largest of all plants. And, uh, and there's enough room for everybody to come and, and roost and find a nest. Uh, the kingdom of God is like a person who buys a field and they find it, or the person who goes out to look at a field and they find a treasure in the field and they sell everything they own to buy this right. field or this pearl of great price. Or it's like a little bit of yeast that goes into a woman's baking bowl mm-hmm. and it infects the dough so that the dough grows and ends up baking a hundred times more bread than she ever thought it should. Um, the kingdom of God, just snapshot, 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 all of these images of the kingdom of God, which is one of the reasons why we know that the kingdom of God is not just like one thing. Yes. Because even Jesus can't describe it as like, here is exactly what, what it is it like. like. Yeah. Even Jesus is saying, well, it's like a lot of things. Yeah. Well, I've um, got all these images for it and I want to share them with you yeah. because they're all true. They're all true. And so um, so he tells us all these stories about farming and baking bread and mustard and mm-hmm. buying property, you know, as really... You fun, interesting things. But they're everyday, ordinary things. They are everyday, ordinary things, which is my point. Yes. So the point is that heaven is down to earth. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. point is that heaven is near at hand. That's what mm-hmm. Jesus says over and over again. And we, we might lose track of that because 
a lot of times people come into church and they're looking for something holy and divine and shiny and golden and mm-hmm. glorious and right. emotional and all of these things. We call Jesus things like Savior and Lord, Lord and King, King of Kings, of Kings Prince of Peace. Peace. We give him all these fancy yeah. titles. I was I teased my congregation that um, we don't have any um, hymns about Jesus the ba- or God the Baker Woman. Yeah, we don't have we don't have the hymns about. The woman who needs dough. Actually, I think we do have one now in uh, the faith we sing, but um, but it's not one of the the ones that like, it's not one that we sing a lot. It's like comes out of our hearts, like wow. Yeah, yeah. We prefer how great thou art and mm-hmm. all these things. Um, which one of the reasons that I when I pray with my people, I pray w- uh, in the name of Jesus, our brother and our friend, mm-hmm. because those are two mundane things. Yeah. Friends and brothers, they're everywhere, and to remember that the divine shows up in. In the ordinary. And so heaven is down to earth. And so we talked about like if Jesus is this mystic meeting of the divine and the human. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And yet Jesus doesn't say, if you want to know what it looks like to touch heaven, look at me. Jesus says, if you want to know what it looks like to touch heaven, look Mm -hmm. at this woman kneading dough and look at this mustard seed Mm -hmm. and look at this guy buying a field and look at this guy sorting fish. Like this is what the kingdom of heaven looks like, which is one of the reasons... Why, you know, we pay attention right. to the world around us. I think it's really interesting. I just have to point out, and um, Chris, that you just put it all about the people. Mm-hmm. And when I preached this, it was all about these the, hidden items. The hidden items, yeah. Like like, like the yeast that just floats in the air. The and yeast stuff. and I'm the seeds. Funny. I'm just funny. The... I'm just noting. Yeah. Um, and, and both have the same point. Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven and... Uh, I think Jesus embodies the kingdom of heaven whenever he does the things that he tells us we're supposed to do. Like Mm -hmm. when he heals Mm -hmm. people, when he reaches out to people who are marginalized or lonely, um, when he respects people who are not used to being respected, like women, military officers, (laughs) Um, when he cares for the poor, like Mm -hmm. in all of those things, Jesus is showing us what it looks like for us to plant seeds or put yeast in dough like right that those are the places where we have some effect in mm-hmm. seeing the kingdom of god come about what i love about that is that the nearness of the kingdom of god is a more important basis for belief for jesus than whatever happens after mm. some apocalyptic end time yes that yes. that jesus tells a couple of stories that eventually end up getting interpreted as and then at the end of the Jewish, age, there right. will be a, a judgment. But Jesus doesn't seem interested in that. Jesus seems interested in these everyday mm-hmm. moments and these everyday things. Well, and even the set of parables that the, the last parable that sort of sneaks in at the, at the end of the passage. The, mm-hmm. the fish one? No. the um, Every scribe who's been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of the household who brings out his treasure, what is new and what is old. Yeah. It's not as simple as... What's the bright, shiny next thing? It's right. everything. It's all the things. So we talked a little bit about about these images. We talked about um, mustard mm-hmm. uh, being uh, a very small seed that grows into a very large plant. Uh, we talked about how, for most of us, mustard is something you buy at the store. Mm-hmm. If you're fancy, it still has seeds in it. If you're not fancy, it is neon yellow <laughs> and delicious. Um, but that mustard is not necessarily something we have a lot of affinity with. If you're in Sonoma County, maybe you have a lot of affinity with mustard because they, they will plant mustard on purpose um, in the vineyards mm-hmm. to make the soil more acidic. Yeah. But when they harvest the grapes, they don't do anything with the mustard. Right. Like, it's just, it's a trash bush. Right. And right. it was back then. It wasn't something that you necessarily grew on purpose. Right. Like, and the other association that our folks might have with mustard is the mustard that is in the Sierras. 
It is actually an invasive plant. It is an invasive species. So so there's that. And then um, and then we talked about yeast, like this yeast that's in the dough. And that yeast back in the day, which is a technical term for when Jesus was around. Back in the day. Back in the days when Jesus wasn't around or when I was in high school. Those, were, that's, those are the two <laughs> back in the days. <laughs> um, so thank you, late 90s. Back in the day, yeast was corruption. Mm-hmm. It was an impurity. It was not clean. Right. And so to put yeast in bread and then to see that even this thing that was considered impure and unholy ends up creating enough bread that everybody can eat. There's this abundance that comes along with it. Yeah. And so the kingdom of God being like a mustard seed that is so tiny and yet sort of can take over. And this yeast that infects your bread, I use that word intentionally. Yeah, that because they, well, that, that you these can't are, keep it out. These are agents of growth and transformation that seem unimportant or unholy, and yet they are the images for Jesus mm-hmm. of what it looks like to be the kingdom of God. However, they are not our context. I ask people, how many people bake bread? We have one person at 8.15 who bakes the rolls that we use for communion uh-huh. every Sunday, and about three people at 10 a.m. Right. who bake bread. Yeah. And everybody else, not so much. Yeah. Bread is, like, it's something we buy in a plastic well, bag at the store. Right. We have and, a saying, and it's and as easy as sliced bread, because right. it's mostly sliced right. now. And I actually said, you know, in our days of commercial production and store-bought bread, we forget that yeast is wild and mysterious. Yeah. Yeast is also one of the things that makes grapes into wine. Right. Wheat into beer. Right. You have to have it. By trial and error, we had figured out how to make bread grow. And right. the yeast did this. But, you know, the taming of yeast. <laughs> the taming of yeast. Right. I feel like that's a Shakespearean knockoff yeah. parody. Yeah. <laughs> the taming of the shrew. The taming, taming of the, of the yeast. The, the taming of the yeast. It sounds, actually, it sounds like an episode of Good Eats. Yeah. So those are the first two. Yeah, it does. <laughs> those are the first two stories are about yeast and bread. And then the next two stories are about selling everything you have. To get the kingdom of God. Now, if you still imagine the kingdom of God as this, like, heaven where there's streets paved with gold and blah, 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 maybe it makes sense to sell everything you have to get that precious thing. But would you sell everything you have to get mustard seeds and yeast? Mm -hmm. And so it talks about, like, the value is not actually in whether or not it's fancy. Yeah. (laughs) The value is in that's where God is. That's where the Mm -hmm. abundance is. That's where the growth comes Mm -hmm. from. And so, you know, these stories, the, the yeast and the, the right. mustard seed, these are not our context. But what are the places in our world where we see agents of change mm-hmm. that we might not think are super polite or super um, trendy mm-hmm. or or even very convenient to right. us? And we did. We talked about kudzu uh, mm-hmm. instead of mustard. You know, we talked about like it takes over. Right. And it is inconvenient. It shows up. And it disrupts your life. And that is like the kingdom of God. So we talked about all those things uh, and agents of transformation. And then I talked to my people really openly about uh, something that is important to us as Mm -hmm. a reconciling church. Reconciling means that we are open to all people in all levels of being part of the church and leadership and everything else, including people who are lesbian, gay, bisexual, transgender, queer, intersex, whatever. Like all of the all of the acronym mm-hmm. um, that that we are open to those kinds of folks, and this week was particularly harsh uh, for those folks. I was trained in seminary uh, that you hold the Bible in one hand and the newspaper in the other. Yep. Your sermons should have the same shelf life as a loaf of bread. <laughs> um, they should go bad after a while because they should be so deeply rooted in your current context. Mm-hmm. Um, we are not preaching eternal truths forever. We're talking about what's going on with us now. 
And so I said, before I get into this next part, I need people to know that I know that you all know where I stand politically, Mm -hmm. that I am a lefty leaning liberal with a bleeding heart who hugs every tree she walks past. And that's okay. (laughs) I said, and I know that not everybody in the church agrees with me politically and that's okay. I said, so if you are a righty leaning writer who loves your guns and uh, has a flag on the back of your car, I'm cool. (laughs) I'm cool with you. In fact, I need you in my life. Uh, that we're all in this together. Um, I also said that I don't preach about what's going on in our political situation because I feel the need to convert anybody to my way of thinking about politics. I trust that we are all trying to be Christian, that we're all trying to be more loving and more generous in the world. And so when I bring up something that's happening in politics, it's because I think that who we are as people of faith should influence how we behave in the world. I trust that people who are conservative are also deeply rooted in their faith and have sincerity and passion, and that's great. But I'm coming from this this place of, here's what I see going on, and here's why it is unacceptable to me. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. all of that said, uh, we decided to, to talk about, we decided being the royal we. The royal we, I'm like. The royal we decided to talk about what our commander-in-chief said this week about transgender people, mm. which was that they were a burden that they were not welcome in the armed services and just generally causing lots of pain and havoc. Yeah. So I found it hilarious that one of his generals had to stand up and say, a tweet does not constitute an order. (laughs) Um, Oh yeah. Still working with him on Twitter is not an official, official line of command, but whatever. It's incredibly damaging to tell trans people that they are a burden, to tell anybody that they are a burden. burden. And it, it bums me out when we punch down. Yeah. You know, when we say here is this marginalized person, let's blame them for everything that goes wrong. Right. Um, that's not acceptable to me. Uh, trans people are wonderful humans, uh, frankly, kind of boring when you get to know them. Yeah. Yeah. You know? They're just average. They normal. are mundane. They yeah. are yep. mustard seeds they're and people. yeast. <laughs> they're just people. They're just people. Uh, so, um, you know, so there's that. But they are also marginalized because they are different from mm-hmm. what is normative. Yep. And when we encounter things that are different from what is normative, we tend to punish it Mm -hmm. um as humans i don't know why we do that it's awful but it's what we do so maybe it's why jesus talked about it so much yeah um maybe it's why jesus had an opinion about it huh yeah based on um some statistics from transstudents.org which is a great resource Mm -hmm. um uh, trans students in school are twice as likely to be bullied Mm -hmm. about half of them have been physically abused either by their families or at school or at their churches yeah uh because they are different 80% of students feel unsafe at school. Uh, 80%. That's like more than not. Way more than not. 80% feel unsafe at school. Um, They are six times as likely to experience violence when they have encounters with the police. Mm -hmm. One out of every eight trans people has been evicted because of their gender identity. And one out of every five, so even more, have Mm -hmm. spent time homeless. Yeah. Because people will not give them housing because trans is not a protected status in our country. 41% of trans people have attempted suicide. 41%. Now, when I see idiots on Twitter saying, oh, it's because they're unstable. It's like, like well, no, it's because they're marginalized. Right. Right. It's, it's because any person that we would treat with bullying and harassment and physical abuse and homelessness because of their identity would probably have some mental mental issues yeah, associated it's, with it's that. It's like, yeah. yeah. Well, I, just, I think of the example, like uh, when you deal with 
generally homeless populations, mm-hmm. right? It's a chicken and the egg situation. Right. Is it the mental illness or the homelessness that came first? Right. But, you know, we all desire acceptance. Right. And I remember seeing, do, watching a video several years ago now, a movie actually, and they had done the research that it was a documentary that just just a place of acceptance, like if the family, even if they don't understand or agree, mm-hmm. gives acceptance, Yeah. The, the rate of suicide drops. So that says it's about, you know, it's not about... It's about the stability of the community, community. around the person yeah. and not necessarily about the person themselves. So so anyway, so we talked about that. I said, this is why it's important for us to talk about this, because Jesus wants us to reach out to the poor, the marginalized, and those who feel left out and alone. And that certainly constitutes this population, right? Mm-hmm. And so I said, so, you know, whatever you think about gender identity and sexual orientation we have committed to be a church where everybody is accepted, where everybody feels at home and where everybody feels like they're at least attempted. There's some attempt to understand them. Right. Um, and so we did some education on Sunday. We talked about what is, what does trans mean? Mm-hmm. And we talked about how all of our sexuality is not, you know, cleanly binary. Right. Um, our gender identities are not cleanly binary. And it's um, always fascinating to me how willing once you break it down out loud, people are to go, oh, I'm not totally normal either. You know, <laughs> like, that's kind of oh. cool. So we did we did this thing where we do the four spectrums and I'll, I'll post a link to it on the website. Um, the, the four spectrums that we sort of talk about. And now there's sort of a fifth spectrum that comes off three dimensionally, which is hard to describe over audio in a podcast. But, oh, really? Yeah. Huh. But the, the first part is your biology, right? right. So people are born with genitalia. And I said the word genitalia yeah, in, worship. in worship. I also said penis and vagina. It was exciting. So people laughed before, when I said... haven't you? People laughed when I said penis. People did not laugh when I said vagina. I don't know what that's about, people. But let's check ourselves for a second. Um, either they both get laughter or neither one of them does. That's it. So... Anyway, so we talked about, you know, the biology. Mm-hmm. There's what you're sort of born with. But... Okay. Even that's not binary, right? Right. Because there are more intersex people in the world than you'd think. Mm-hmm. Intersex meaning that they have some combination of male and female genitalia. Right. So we talked about biology. Well, then we talked about gender. And gender is who you internally, intrinsically feel yourself to be. Um, people who are trans often say, you know, I was three or four years old when I realized I was a boy mm-hmm. or I was a girl. Mm-hmm. Um, which is not necessarily what matched up with my genitalia. So it's who you feel yourself to be. So that's the second category. And that's, you can be anywhere on a spectrum of man, woman, or those categories don't fit for me. And then there's the third part is expression, how you express yourself in the world. Mm-hmm. Uh, and there, that masculine feminine mm-hmm. is the, are the words that we sort of use for that. And so you might even be somebody who is born with male genitalia, who feels himself to be a man but maybe you're just not super masculine. Right. Maybe you just, maybe people have told you're, you you're a little effeminate. Uh, you like the paler colors and they look better on you. Yeah. You're all about pastels. We love it. So, so all of those three things together constitute your gender. And it doesn't necessarily mean that they're, they're all going to line up. Mm-hmm. If somebody who is born with male genitalia feels themselves to be a woman and expresses themselves in feminine ways... What, you know, what is the label that we would affix to that? Mm-hmm. And that's transgender. There might not be anything else besides that. Like, it has nothing to do with sexuality. It has mm-hmm. nothing to do with a romantic attra- attraction. Emotions. It has everything to do with who you feel yourself mm-hmm. to be. So we did a few more like that where we said, okay, so if you are <laughs> this a man is... who is uh, born with male genitalia, you feel yourself to be masculine, and you're attracted to men, what is the label we would give you? 
And they said, homosexual. And I said, yes, but that's just sexuality. What's the person's gender? And they said, well, normal. (laughs) And I said, well, normative, Normative. which is different than normal. The word that we would use is cisgender. So cisgender meaning that you sort of fall within these binary categories in our culture. Um, And so they all, all the binary categories align. Yeah. That everything is on the same side of the spectrum. Um, We talked about like, if you are a woman, you're born with female genitalia, you consider yourself to be a woman, but you prefer to wear hiking boots over heels. You know, what are you? And everybody kind of looked around. (laughs) Because that uh, describes our neighborhood. And well, one of my, yeah, we live in the, in the, in the Sierras, right? So a lot, we got a lot of hikers and outdoorsy people. And one of the people at one of my services stood up and said, that's me. (laughs) And I said, so you're not normative either. And she goes, I'm not. (laughs) She she was just like this huge relief for her to recognize that like, there's a reason why I don't feel like I fit into these categories. And it's because they're garbage categories, right? Like that. That, that not everybody fits in cleanly on the spectrum. So we talked about these three these three components of gender and sexual orientation. And we sort of, we had the quiz at the end where, you know, move the X's around on either side of the spectrum and, and what is the, the label we would give to that. But just to help people recognize that, like, all of us are sort of not cleanly in all of these categories, and that's okay. Um, that That we don't all have to be the exact same person. In fact, we probably what? should not be the exact same person oh, because okay. if, Good. if the kingdom of God shows up in all of these different ways, and even Jesus doesn't have one way or two ways to describe it, perhaps there is a way that all of us can be seeds to different communities or in different places. There are lots of ways that we can express what it looks like uh, to mm-hmm. live in the love of God mm-hmm. without all looking the same yeah. and that that is a good thing. So we sort of talked about these parables and then... The many ways to be in the world. We only had two people walk out, hey, which pretty is pretty good. good. And we had some people that I know were having a really hard time with the sermon who stayed, and I am grateful to them. Good. Because I think it's important that we can talk openly about these things. And I will check in with them later this week and see how they're doing. But we had four people in the congregation who came up to me afterwards weeping. Mm-hmm. And two of them were funny. They were joking about they're going to embroider handkerchiefs because they need them every week at church. <laughs> Every week since they've been coming, you know, we've made them cry because they feel like they've finally found a spiritually safe place. And I just think, man, like it breaks my heart that that's true, that that's a rare thing for them. Mm -hmm. But it's so important for us to be that because clearly that's not a common thing. And to appreciate the diversity of the world God has created. But some of those people are people who hadn't been in church for, you know, a decade because they didn't trust that it would be a safe place. They felt judged and condemned. And so to be able to say... You know, that yeast that everybody else thinks is unholy is actually what makes the bread grow. Yeah. You know, and um, and we value that here. Yeah. We value the abundance and the transformation and the growth. And so if you're part of that, then come be part of us. Um, so that was that was the sermon Very on good. Sunday. Very good. Yeah. Thanks for listening to the Sunday Morning Sleep In Podcast. If you have questions for us or stories that relate to topics we've been discussing today, uh, shoot us an email at sundaymorningsleepin at gmail.com. We're also on Facebook at Sunday Morning Sleep In. And we're all the places you can find a podcast. And the scripture for this podcast was Matthew 13, 31 to 33, and 44 to 52. And the music you're hearing is, the music is Jazzer. Yeah. Uh, so... We give a blessing at the end of the podcast. That's kind of normal. At the end of a worship service, you give a blessing. 
uh, and I usually give homework. And the homework that I give my folks every week is the same. It's to go out and love every person you meet, even the ones you might not think deserve it, because God thinks they do. But I want to say that when you're in the midst of loving people, when you're in the midst of doing the giving away and not just the receiving of the love, you might find yourself transformed. And, um, and to make sure that we continue to be an open place where all people can come together and learn from one another. Uh, about how we experience God's love in the world, about how we experience uh, faith and hope and trust and justice and compassion in the world, I think is important. And so, particularly this week, pay attention to where the yeast is. Pay attention to the parables in your lives. What are the things that Mm. teach you about growth and abundance? Who are the people who teach you about growth and abundance? Who are the people who stretch you? Maybe you need to get a little closer with them because that might be where God shows up. Amen. Amen.